his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. It is 39 degrees, 808 in the Twin Cities. Time now for one of my favorite guests, the one and only Professor David Schultz of Hamlin University. How are you? Great on this beautiful day. Well, listen, it is great to have you. And once again... Um, I feel for the past year or so, we have started this segment just kind of going, could the news cycle get any crazier? Yeah, yeah. And it probably can't, but it probably will be next week or something like that, too. But Or tomorrow. Or tomorrow. Uh, or an hour from an now. An hour from now. This, is, this has been one of the strangest weeks, I would say, in political news um, that, that I can think of in almost the 30 years that I've been teaching or something like that. I mean, whether it goes from sexual harassment to the North Korea or it goes to the tax cuts or it goes to the Flynn indictments. I mean, there's just... Well, I, I'm not sure. Or, or the tweets from the president or the videos that, that said right. everyone in England. I mean, it's just... Right. I was going to say, we need about two hours um, at least to do the show tonight. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I guess... Um, I, where do you want to start? <laughs> well, I, I, I think... Oh boy, um, how about if we start with probably his potentially his best day, which is the Senate um, voted, you know, to um, to go ahead by fifty one forty nine with the tax reform. We'll start with the good and go to the bad, right? And that's, I mean, that's something that that he has been promising. These massive uh, tax cuts, the, the corporate tax rate down to twenty percent. They still have to have a conference committee, right. but they're pretty close. They are very close. Um, it looks like it's going to happen. I, I guess, you know, and, and Democrats are, are erupting on social media showing pictures of these bills, including Senator Amy Klobuchar, showing pictures of these the bill with handwritten scrawled notes all down the side. Uh, it's not clear that everyone's going to get a tax cut here. It is not clear at this point. And it's also um, – well, well, two things. First off, I'm going to even back up before we even get to that. Depending on what happens, I think on Tuesday, um, we could have some complications in terms of what happens with the tax reform. Because as you point out here, is that the House and Senate now have different versions of the bill where there are some significant differences between, between the two bills. And they have to be reconciled. And, and then both the House and the Senate have to vote on those reconciliations again before they can be sent to the President of the United States to be signed. Now, the reason why that's important, because remember, the Constitution requires that both houses pass the bill in the exact same language. Tuesday, there's also something very important going on. I think it's Tuesday, which is the, which is the Alabama election. Wow, okay. Right. And, and, and what are the latest indications from that? I mean, it's I, dead even. Wow. It is dead even. It could go either way. So let's imagine a scenario now where um, the Democrats pick up the seat um, and they now, and, and, and right, remember, the, the bill right now passed the Senate 
you know, 51-49. So assuming, let's say, a Democrat were, the, were to win the Senate, and assuming Al Franken uh, doesn't resign, so we've got a lot of things going on here. Um, think about it. This is like a moving, right. moving puzzle here. Um, potentially, the vote would be 50-50 in the Senate, with Mike Pence break, breaking the, uh, the, t- you know, the tie for it to go through. But I can see a scenario where if the Senate and the House have to recon- do a reconciliation, Democrats have picked up a seat, um, and it now some changes are made um, that it could potentially lose a supporter in the Senate. Because remember how difficult it was this week to pick up the Republican vote. Right. So right. it is not a foregone conclusion yet. Right. Although it does seem yes. uh, that Senator Bob Corker from Tennessee was standing alone, yes. waving the, the deficit flag, saying this is going to add a trillion dollars estimated to the deficit over the next 10 years, which right. used to be sort of the calling card for Republicans. Exactly. And, and Go ahead. he's by himself. <laughs> he's by himself. But let's say a, a slightly different scenario now. So he's the only one who seems to care about the deficits. But let's say in the reconciliation, the conference committees between the House and the Senate, the House gets more of what it wants than the Senate does. Um, it is possible um, to lose maybe a Susan Collins. Maybe it becomes possible to lose a John McCain or Lisa Murkowski. And so I think the negotiations for reconciliation are going to be very, very important, as well as what happens in the Alabama race, because... Right. Again, it's tantalizingly close for the Republicans. I think it's I think it's much more likely than not that the bill um, um, does become law. But I can still see many scenarios at this point where something could happen and it gets derailed at the last second. Let me ask you: You know, when when there is a winner in the Alabama race, whether it is Roy Moore, whether it is the Democrat Doug Jones. How quickly are they seated? I mean, they don't have to wait till January because this is a special election. I would think they'd be seated immediately. Im- immediately, okay. As as, let me put it this way: it's will be seated as soon as the election is certified by the canvassing board. Now, the reason why I say that: remember, we live in a state where what was it back in two thousand and eight that by that we had a Senate race that took about what eight months to settle. It did, yes. It did. <laughs> and so, so let's say we have an incredibly tight race because, like I said. Right now, the latest polls that I've seen, unless like you check something tonight also during the show, but the, the latest poll I saw earlier this afternoon was a dead-even race. Let's say it really is that close. Let's say they have to do a recount, et cetera, et cetera. It could be a few weeks, which would then buy time for the Republicans. But let's say the opposition candidate, you know, the Democrat, and I'm forgetting his name, pardon me. Um, uh, Doug, Doug Jones. Were to win this one, again, that changes the dynamic, you know, um, in the Senate a little bit. So, uh, but because he, he would be sworn in literally immediately. So, so I, so I, I think this is, this is actually a, a Senate race that has for all other kinds of reasons, national implications in terms of this tax bill potentially. Right. I, I guess the thing, the question I have about the tax bill is uh, the description of what's in these bills, the, the Senate version and the House version, is, is just constantly evolving. Right. And there appear to be you know, many provisions in terms of you know, that, that, that could affect many middle class or even upper middle class people adversely. Yes. Uh, or even seniors, like you know, the limit, possible elimination of of large medical out of, out of pocket medical expenses. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, deductions of of uh, home mortgage interest. That those rules will be changing, or or property taxes. I mean, some of that's yes. back in, some of it's out. Um, deductions for college loans. I mean, so, so it, it's, and I guess we really, it, to some extent, 
yes, it can be written a certain way. It, it, we were, I guess we were all really won't know ultimately until we file – If let's say this thing does get passed, I guess until we file not this year's taxes but the next year's. Correct, correct. I mean this will be, this will be the CPA Full Employment Act of 2018. <laughs> um, um, and, um, but no, but just think about a couple of small things here right off the bat in terms of potential losers, you know, that – that among other things you have, you know, now it sounds like it's great to double the standard deduction, you know, but, but the, one of the potential big losers for that are going to be nonprofits and charitable organizations. When I gave a talk on this because, you know, I, I do a lot of training for CPAs and, um, for, and, and, and for accountants and, and for nonprofits, and the estimates are that because of the standard deduction, more, fewer people will be actually itemizing, which means worrying right. about making charitable deductions. The estimate is a loss of $26 billion per year um, to charities in the United States. I mean, that's dramatic right there. Um, I mean, another thing which I think will be, you know, so that's for charities, you know, in terms of, I think you pointed out here, for for some people, there's going to be some losses in terms of um, medical deductions, which I think is significant. I also, if we can start to walk through here and think in terms of, you know, potentially, you know, several other groups, you know, that may be may be losers in this. Um, there's 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 some big impacts out there that people need to worry about. And then in the Senate bill, also there is the repeal on the penalty for the individual mandate, which means um, that if that goes through, yes, we'll all still be required to have to have health insurance. But if you don't buy it, um, you won't face the fine or penalty. And many people say that will pretty much end um, for a lot of people the 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 threat or the desire to have to get health care right. insurance. And so that might wind up also undermining the Affordable Care Act. So lots of different things out there could really sort of be at play in terms of how it affects how it affects different groups of people out there. Right. And it's it's you know folks it's really um it's 500 pages long as I said there are pictures of you know of the handwritings and the margin um Democrats are crying foul saying we need more time to go over this. I mean it's it obviously is being rushed through. Right, uh, it's being rushed through. And what's different about this one, take us back to the last major tax overhaul in the United States. It was the 1986 Reagan, you know, Reagan tax reform. And that was, that was bipartisan. I, mean, I remember it was Senator Bill Bradley, um, who, you know, who was, you know, a Democrat who was very, very instrumental, you know, in making lots of changes in there, um, in terms of pushing it. And actually it was a bipartisan bill. This would be the first major, uh, I'm going to essentially call it single party, you know, major tax overhaul in American history. Right. Uh, and, and one of the signatures that, that's in it that does appear to be, you know, definitely there is, is cutting the corporate tax rate to 20%. Right, right, right. Now, the other thing to think about down the line here is one of the other things that was thrown in um, is the Senate was concerned about about if the trickle down doesn't actually trickle down, are they going to have to generate um, you know m- you know more revenues or do something to make up for the deficit? And so they have something put in place there. Um, and if and if this doesn't generate you know the tax cuts, the growth in the economy to spur on the taxes you know that they were anticipating. 
other cuts are going to have to be made. And the two places or where you can make, or three places where the budget has the biggest areas to cut taxes are where? Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. So there are huge implications down the line, also in terms of what this may mean for those three programs and how it affects the poor and the elderly. And, and that, would ex- that would change the political dynamic completely. Exactly. All right. Let's take a quick break. Um, we just covered what was, you know, Good for the president. You may disagree with the tax cuts or the proposals, but certainly the supporters of the president, the president is very happy with this because uh, it looks like this is going to go through. Let's talk about what else happened yesterday for the president that, that was not good news for him and, and how big a problem it, is it and how, how big a deal is it and what are the implications. We'll talk about that, uh, the Michael Flynn situation with Professor David Schultz after this on News Radio 830 WCCO. 822 in the Twin Cities, 39 degrees, Esme Murphy along with Professor David Schultz. All right, we talked about what the president is celebrating, although he says he's happy. We're talking about the tax cut. He also says he, he's not bothered at all by this Michael Flynn indictment and guilty plea. I think he should be bothered, don't you? I think he should be exceedingly worried at this point because if, if everything – um, what's coming out of the news seems somewhat accurate in this point in terms of what Flynn is saying is that this is going to start to now connect Michael Flynn to clearly not just the Trump campaign, but maybe even to the Trump administration. And I'll sort of cut to the chase right now in terms of who should be most worried at this point. I would expect it should be Jared Kushner and Donald Trump Jr. Um, because we know that they had contact with the Russians um, and we know that um, they've had to amend some of their statements regarding their involvement with Russians. And so if I were sort of making any kind of you know prediction in terms of where this is going to go, Michael Flynn is going to use the old phrase, what, he's going to basically turn states' evidence, is, is plea bargaining, um, and will probably provide sufficient information where I suspect we will see, I'm going to guess at this point, and say Jared Kushner is the next person to, to face right. an indictment. Yeah, and, and I actually discussed this um Earlier in the show, um, I don't know if you've heard this, but Brian Ross, who's a highly respected uh, yes, inv- investigative reporter for ABC News, has been suspended for four weeks without pay. His report yesterday morning, and I discussed this on the air because I was filling in for John, and you, I was, you were kind enough to join us on the air, and I don't think I brought this up with you. His report was different than anybody else's. He reported that his sources were telling him that Flynn had agreed to testify that the president or, or the then-candidate Donald Trump ordered him to contact the Russians. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, this is really something if this is true. Right. And apparently, I said, no, but nobody else is reporting. Well, apparently it's not true. That's right. But, but I, there are multiple reports, and no one seems to be denying it, that it was in fact Jared Kushner yes. who um, did, was directing Flynn to contact the Russians. And, and some people might be saying, well, why is that wrong? What's wrong with that? Well, it's wrong for a couple of reasons. One is that if, in fact, um, they were soliciting um, Russian help um, for the campaign, especially if it's financial, um, there are federal laws that make it a felony um, for for foreign nationals to try to influence U.S. federal elections, including through financial contributions. Um, and then depending on exactly what those requests were also, and again, we don't really quite know what those requests were also, um, there are also 
um, issues of, about conspiracy to basically under, uh, undermine federal election law, and depending on what else it may be here, you know, to what extent is perhaps maybe Jared Kushner, you know, um, maybe offering, um, you know, Russian, you know, Russian involvement in American politics in return for something else. Um, is there potentially that Jared Kushner is operating as a, um, as essentially a, um, a foreign agent, you know, for the Russians? I mean, there's all kinds of possibilities, but but at the at the most immediate level, it's it's about that that. Um, you know that ban on on foreign nationals from participating in U.S. elections, right? Um, and you know, let me ask you this because one of the things that that Flynn is allegedly um, apparent that he said which is in, it's in the uh, charge is that he um, contacted the Russians and said, "Hey, uh, don't respond, retaliate." Um, for Obama, you know, putting in all these sanctions for, for involvement in the election, don't retaliate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I, I, I was wondering, what would have been the motive for that? Because it, mo- it suggests that there's got to be something else there going on. Yes, you have to think so here. And again, that also becomes a problem, too, because... I mean, I mean you feel like there's another layer here that we need to... Exactly. Why, why, why in the heck would, would they care about that unless there was something else going on? Exactly, and that's what we don't know at this point. And all of it speaks to potentially, you know, nefarious or not very good things. You know, which again speak to perhaps. Um, I know, I know. My, my Democratic Party friends will will immediately jump to saying this is treasonous activity. Well, I'm not sure it rises to that level, but it clearly, you know, you know, suggests that in some situations, you know, these may be individuals who are acting contrary um, to U.S. interests, and in some situations, you know, the, you know, those those become, um, you know, you know, criminal activities or illegal. Again, we, we just don't know all the details at this point, but at least on one. Level, you know, I'm, I'm willing to say at this point that it seems very, very suspicious, you know, for for Kushner to be encouraging um, um, and soliciting Russian, you know, Russian involvement in the elections. And again, you wonder if he was trying to sell something and saying that, by the way, if if. Or is this a thank you? Or I, it just thank seems you the or whole... something. But what I'm saying is, is there a quid pro quo? And by that saying that you folks don't do anything, we will we will ease up on sanctions. We will do X, you know, whatever X Y Z is. It makes it sound like they're. Uh, but why? Why? That's a good question. That's a great question here. Are they are they trying to again um, um, exchange something in terms of like you know personal financial benefit? Are they trying to do something in terms of helping undermine uh, undermine Clinton? Are they doing something to help Donald Trump. Again, none of this we know, but it has the flavor of, again, what we call in the law, in election law and criminal law, quid pro quo. I mean, it sort of sounds like what? Potentially bribery or something? I, I, I just, I, I just, yes, we don't it, know, it, 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 we don't know but, but, but I guess, you know, uh, over the holiday weekend, like, I guess last weekend, um, I, President Trump was quoted, you know, as telling people he felt that the Russian investigation was coming to a close. Yeah. Do you agree with that? No, no. In fact, if anything, now um, the, the the Flynn um, plea bargain um, opens it up even more because, given given what what he's confessing to or what he's he's you know pleading to, um, it opens up lots of different possibilities in terms of where the investigation could go. And so, as I think you know, you know, we've said I think several times on this show where. This was, you know, this ain't going to be over um, before if you for 2017, and it ain't going to be over. Pardon my language, saying it this way, it's not going to be over in 2018 either. That we're going to see um, this investigation into 2018 drag into the election, and let's say potentially at this point, 
if, if, and we don't know, if Jared Kushner or a Donald Trump Jr., or I could even see a Jeff Sessions also, given the fact that he seemed not to recall certain meetings, at least initially with the Russian officials, um, that clearly has trials or indictments um, or investigations taking us way into 2018. Right, and, and apparently um, uh, Robert Mueller, the special prosecutor, has a team of, of very experienced um, you know, attorneys working for him. I mean, this is this is this is a high-powered investigation. Yeah, he's the, got the, some of the best people out there. I mean, this was we talked. I think again a few weeks ago we talked about this. Is that the people who have been willing to sort of leave their other jobs to be on this investigation? Um, he's attracted some of the, um, and I and I know some of the names of the people that I looked at. Um, he's attracted some of the best legal talent in the country. Wow. All right, uh, listen, we have to take uh, a quick break uh, for give me some weather. And then when we come back, we'll have more of David Schultz. You're listening to News Radio 830 WCCO. in the Twin Cities, Esme Murphy, along with Professor David Schultz. Um, I suppose we need to get to sexual harassment, mm-hmm. um, but uh, any other thoughts sort of about the whole subject of Flynn and the president as he, you know, marches for he has not he's not, hasn't been president for what ten months, 10 months. or eleven months rather. Well, I'm, what's I'm trying to think? So he took office January twentieth, December. Yeah, ten months. Ten months. It's I, I don't know about you. It's been an exhausting ten months covering it. Right. Right. And and the thing is, as you mentioned and has been pointed out. The level of, of scandal and the special prosecutor, while there certainly are other presidents that have had to deal with that, it, it's not in the first 10 months of their presidency. Exactly. You, and, and, and we go back in time, whether it is you know, with Clinton or we look at Reagan or we look at Nixon, they all occurred in the second term. And when those scandals hit, it essentially shut their presidencies down for the remaining of their time in office. Now, granted, they might have been lame ducks otherwise, but I think that clearly the scandal, you know, was kind of a sideshow. And I think that's important here because the juxtaposition is that, you know, with assuming the tax bill goes, does, does become law, this becomes the president's first major legislative victory. Um, and that's going to be, what, 10, 11 months into office. And, and, and this is something that should have happened earlier on in terms of major legis- legislative victory. And most of the time, you know, for right or for wrong, you know, the media likes to judge presidents by their first hundred days in office. And so, and so I think, you know, he's got this victory here, which I potentially I think, you know, but the ongoing scandals, the ongoing investigation will clearly, I think, cripple him, you know, going into, into next year. And if I think of some of the other things that the Trump administration wants to do, for example, I think, especially with the way this bill looks like in terms of what all the predictions are in terms of the tax cuts and how it's going to affect the debt, I think the option or the opportunity to do, for example, a, a massive infrastructure bill is all but dead. I just don't see where the money is going to come for something like that. And I'm not sure now what the president really has left. When you think about it, he wanted the Affordable Care Act repealed. He wanted to do um, the tax cuts. Uh, he wanted to do the wall. Uh, pretty much he's done um, um, or not been able to do most of what he's wanted to accomplish. Um, and I'm not sure where else he goes. Right, and, and also not to mention that if his tax cut bill goes through, 
it, it's all predicated that that it, that will lead to this extraordinary stimulation of the economy. Right. If, if if it falls anywhere short of that, there's not going to be any money. Exactly, exactly. And then I think the other thing we have to be thinking about out here too is every time you know you know what's that old phrase? What goes up must come down, and. It, even if this does have some positive impact on the economy, and again, almost every economist has questioned, you know, the value of these tax cuts right now. You know, we are what in about the ninth year of a of a one of the longest, you know, economic recoveries, you know, in American history, and there are many people who are saying that at some point we are going to probably experience a slowdown, you know, in the U.S. economy, and that's true. I mean, people who always want to say it's never going to end, well. It, parties do end, good times do end, and so at some point you have we have that going on, um, and we also potentially have, as some economists are talking about now, we're entering a new housing bubble and a stock market bubble. All right, let's talk about the issue of sexual harassment, and I'd I'd like to sort of start with the president himself, right? Because uh, you know, as um, all of these individuals who are now, and the latest to be accused is a. a Somebody who I had always respected, the uh, journalist John Hockenberry, is now being accused. Yes, he is now being accused by by multiple women of sexual harassment. What what about the president and the allegations against him that surfaced from multiple women before the election? I mean, are those just dead and gone? And see, this is something that I've been mentioning to my students about and talking about this, is that take us back to when... President Bill Clinton was president of the United States, and there were serious questions regarding whether or not Paula Jones, who had accused him of sexual harassment dating back to when he was governor of Arkansas, there were questions regarding whether or not the president of the United States could be um, um, could be brought to civil you know the civil court for, you know for his actions, and the Supreme Court said yes. And the reason why I say that is that. You know, I know Gloria Allred, you know, who is out in California. I don't know her personally, but if you know the name, yes, you know, she's a very, very good attorney representing women. You know, she's been in contact with, you know, with multiple women, you know, who who have claimed, you know, that Donald Trump sexually, you know, harassed them, and 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 I've said or groped them or groped them or yes. all kinds of stuff or or and I'm not even, we're not even going to get into the language that he used yes. here, you know, in terms of what he said about them or something like that, you know, but but. I have been sort of half expecting at some point um, to see Ms. Allred, you know, bring multiple lawsuits against Donald Trump, you know, for sexual harassment. Um, and why it hasn't happened, I don't know, except the fact that one has to think um, that any woman who would bring um, any suits against um, Donald Trump is going to face incredible backlash and an incredible legal battle against him. You know, but I, I kind of wonder, too, I mean, what about... I wonder if this had all happened before the election. And when I'm talking about all this, you know, all the, the accusations against Harvey Weinstein, uh-huh. if, if you could flip it, yeah. in other words, would that have made a difference, do you think? Do you think and, he still would have been elected? And it's possible because, again, I still come back to one amazing statistic, which is that in 2016, 52 percent of white Caucasian women who voted, voted voted for Donald Trump. And I have to think that that if – if again, 
if the Harvey Weinstein, if the Al Franken, you know, Phil, Roy Moore, all stuff had come last year, you know, would that have shifted, you know, some of the, you know, just we're just talking about white Caucasian women. Would that have shifted enough white Caucasian women in a couple of two or three critical states to, to change the results? And it's very possible. I mean, what's hard to figure out at this point is, you know, did the accusations uh, against Donald Trump really sort of create the conditions that made it possible, you know, for for Harvey Weinstein, et cetera, et cetera. And we also forget that, what was it, in January this past year, or was it February, the Million Women March? Um, right. And so, so, there, so in some ways, Trump may have started something, um, that, which is bringing us to where we are today, now wondering if Trump were to face an election, let's say, you know, very soon, you know, how would this all play out in terms of this new environment? Um, and that's a really good question um, that we could speculate on. And I suspect we might see a different re- a different result, especially in terms of right. um, how, how women might be viewing him. Right. And I just wonder if, if we're going to see those women again, because there were a, a number of them. Yes. It was, I think it was up to 15 different women, yes. if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, well, we'll have to see about... Um that your thoughts about um, Senator Franken and the implications for him. He said he's not going to resign. He's going to go to the Ethics Committee. What happens to him? What happens to him? Well, if, if the, if, depending on what the Ethics Committee does, very few senators really want to face um, when, if, if, if they're going to basically... Um, I mean, and, and how does the Ethics Committee... I mean, he, he would have to testify, Right. Potentially, yes. Potentially, yes. He would have to testify. Although he could, of course, plead the fifth. You know, he can. He, you know, but he's saying he wants to. He wants, he wants to, to go testify. before the right. So, so let's say, assume, for example, you know, they do want to take some kind of action against him. It can, you know, it can range anywhere from expulsion down to a reprimand and so forth, depending on what happens. Um, most senators don't like to face and don't like to actually be punished, you know, by this, you know, by the Senate Ethics Committee, and they opt to resign. And so, I think if it gets to the point where where it looks like they're going to seriously do something um, um, in terms of punishing him, um, I think it's with a very hard choice because to to basically face a censure or, or something like that from the Senate. Um, um, it's, it's not very good. So, so, so I, I think he's in a precarious situation. I also think, and again, I haven't seen a poll in the last few days. I suspect his approval ratings are not very high. Well, there was a po- one poll, KSTP did, ago, yeah, did a couple of weeks ago, and it was down twenty points. I mean, he was uh, in the the mid fifties, you know, right. which is very good. Yeah, yeah. Last I said, the KSTP poll, I saw him in sort of Donald Trump territory. You know, he was. I think he was like in the mid thirties, which is about where Donald Trump is in Minnesota, also. And so, I I think he's. I think he's in in very difficult situation. And even if he doesn't resign, I think um, his his support um, is, is is not great. You know, I mean, there's a story. You know, I, you know, I can't. I think we've talked about this before, and I and I can't disclose the students. You know, but I think I've mentioned to you that I had at least a couple of female students who had applications into the to the Franken um, Franken you know, senatorial office for um, for internships. And one of them turned to me um, and said she was withdrawing her application. And her phrase to me was, "I don't want Al Franken's name on my resume." And I thought, I mean, this is after the allegations surfaced. Yes, exactly. Okay. and I thought that's pretty that's pretty dramatic. Right. Well, and and you were mentioning too, and I think this is important that, that you know your you know students who are obviously younger, they're you know late teens, early twenties, have a pretty 
tough view of this. For them, it's pretty black and white. It is, yeah. I mean, across the board, this is really fascinating, because, again, I teach undergraduate students, and I see almost none of my undergraduate students willing to say at this point, and, 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 and by the way, I teach at Hamlin, which is a very, very liberal um, Democratic undergraduate student body, um, I see almost nobody willing to say at this point that he should stay in office. And almost really, because I think there are a lot of people, obviously, who do feel he, you know, who say, "Look, he's he's you know been a leader on you know some difficult issues like net neutrality. He's you know he has gone around the state. He has done you know uh, issues of, of privacy and stalking apps, and I mean he's done and really I think burrowed into some difficult." issues uh, on the issue of, of uh, major media mergers. I mean, he sort of has kind of carved out several niches for himself with areas of expertise that I think have really made him stand out. They have, yeah. I think he's been a, I think he's been a smart study. I think he's, in many areas, has, has done some very effective advocacy work. But I think right now he's become toxic. I mean, at this point, given how, how prolific of a fundraiser, how popular of a speaker he has been for the, for both, you know, for the Democrats across the country, um, I don't think anybody wants him to come and speak at this point. I don't think anybody wants him to come and campaign for him. Um, I, th- I think he's got major problems. And we're starting to see, um, was it several major newspapers, what the Boston Globe called for him to resign? We've seen several, see several, uh, um, several, um, Prominent Democrats across the country, for example, Senator Christine Gillibrand, I think in Texas, not Texas, I mean New York, I, called for him to resign. I, I, I hadn't, she called for him to resign. I know she'd given his money back. Going back, I'm pretty sure I saw. Um, no, maybe I'm right. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. You're right. Correct. You're correct. It was um, the, the money. Um, but I do. So you're right. There's one New York congresswoman that, that's done it, and there could be. I mean, this whole thing is moving so quickly. But yeah, I mean, there was a list of. Uh, well, actually, you know, we have to take a break. Um, let's let's. Let's talk more about this because there have been large group. There have been groups of women who have said, you know, we don't like these allegations at all, um, but we think it should stick with the ethics committee. So let's take a quick break. More with David Schultz after this on News Radio eight three zero WC. It's eight fifty one in the Twin Cities. Esme Murphy and Professor David Schultz with some close, closing thoughts. Uh, so we're saying before the break that, that that there are some people who are calling for him to sit down. Certainly, uh, Representative Aaron Murphy and. State Auditor Rebecca Otto, both of whom were running for governor, uh, amongst the most prominent Minnesota women calling for him to step down. But there are others. I mean, there's a, a letter or a statement signed by by 65 prominent DFL women who are saying uh, we're very disappointed. I am paraphrasing now the allegations, but we want the ethics committee to proceed, essentially indicating support for him. Uh, 35 uh, former. Uh, Colleagues from Saturday Night Live, women, all women, saying they support him, um, as well as uh, Fort, and saying that he never acted inappropriately towards them. And then uh, I think it was 14 former staffers also signed a letter, uh, a similar letter, saying that he'd never acted inappropriately and always promoted women. Does that help, or does it just not really mitigate what's going on? It doesn't really mitigate, I think, at this point, because, you know, it's, you know, the fact that a bunch of women said that he never did anything inappropriate to them doesn't speak at all to the allegations raised by the five women who claim that they did. Um, um, plus, I think 
you know, we know we're we're in a, we're in a boundary, you know, we're in an area right now. I I talked about this in a recent blog. This is not re, this is not a real court. You know, this is the court of public opinion, and how courts of public opinion decide things. There's there's no rules whatsoever. And I think what's started to happen now. And tell me if you think I'm wrong on this one. Um, I think you now start to think of Al Franken, and a lot of people think of sexual harassment. You know, they think of, you know, they don't think of him as being the serious senator that he worked, what, six to eight years, you know, to try to achieve, eight years or more to try to achieve. I think there's a taint now, and whether or not he can recover from that taint and be effective, I, I you know, I, I just don't know. But I think he's lost that kind of pop culture public support and well he was flying i mean you know and, and he really i mean the reason there's a robert Mueller as special prosecutor is because of him yes i mean i mean he, it was his questioning of jeff sessions that led to sessions uh or, or led to sessions recusing himself from the russia probe yes um so i mean some of his questioning was and, and withering questioning of, of, of betsy devos I mean, it, it was his questioning that seemed to elevate him to this new position as really one of the more uh, outspoken and certainly high-profile critics of the Trump administration. No, you're absolutely correct. And I think now he's, he's lost that effectiveness to be able to, uh, to question anything about the Trump administration because – he just, I mean, I mean, just, he just, I mean, he just doesn't have this ability to be able to, you know, to, you know, to get beyond the narrative of of, of, se- of sexual harassment at this point. And I, 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 again, I don't think he's going to resign. I think he's going to stay in office uh, again, unless the Senate Ethics Committee comes back with a serious, serious um, um, sort of, you know, recommendation in terms of, you know, discipline or punishment. But, but I think he's clearly a weakened senator. Um, in terms of his capacity to be able to move things. And I don't know at this point how effective he is, even within the Senate, in terms of, for example, you know, do other Democrats want to, um, you know, work with him in terms of legislation or not? I mean, that's just really, I'd be fascinated to find out at this point if he can actually co-sponsor legislation with anybody. Well, I mean, and that's an interesting point, going back to to your young student who was, you know, applying for internships and uh, not withdrawing her application because she didn't want her his name on her resume is is that's devastating. It is, especially when I think of the fact that for many years, um, Klobuchar, um, Franken, they were um, some of the most you know sought after internships. You know, my students, you know, I'm a political science professor, and they would say, "Gosh, I really want to intern with a senator or a congresswoman or U.S. You know, something like that." And so I had tons of students applying, and I, I can't tell you besides the fact that a couple of them wanted to withdraw number of students who said to me, I'm not even going to bother applying with Franken now, you know, so, so I mean, there's a, a longer term corrosive impact here um, that I think is just um, interesting to watch. Right. And, and, and I guess in the ethics committee, because he says he wants to go through with this, he'd have to testify. And would the women testify too? That's a great question at this point. I mean, I, 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 I you know, the, the rules are pretty wide open at this point in terms of what the Senate can do. And, and it's and it's a Republican-led committee. Republican-led committee. And there's also Democrats there, too. And I think it's going to be hard for the Democrats um, to not take action against him because I think I don't think the Democrats want to look like they're soft on, on, on sexual harassment. So I think it's going to be very, very difficult for the Democrats, you know, them to say one thing and the Republicans another thing. And, and so, the, so I think the politics of even that committee is not going to look good. 
Well, well, we'll have to see for that. I mean, for right now, and he did release a statement on Facebook, you know, describing everything that he was doing. Uh, you know, various committees here and there, and then he also, I guess, gave a speech, uh, you know, on the floor, on the Senate floor today uh, about the tax proposal. Uh, but I don't see how he could be grilling Jeff Sessions or any member of the administration the way he did previously. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't see how he could pull that off. I think it would be very difficult for him, at least in the in the very near immediate future. Oh, I agree. I absolutely agree. I mean, and and his his comments were so pointed and so uh, striking, and really made headlines. And again, I mean, <laughs> the reason there's a, a Robert Mueller, a special prosecutor, it's because of fact of uh, Al Franken. Well, I guess I guess we just have to stay tuned. Yes. All right. All right. Well, the one and only Professor David Schultz, thank you so much for your time this evening. We certainly appreciate it. And good night, as to all. always. Good night to all. Absolutely. Um, and also, please check out Dave Schultz's blog, Schultz's Take. Uh, it's always insightful, always great, uh, always great to chat with him, and always great to get his analysis of everything. I do um, want to give a shout-out to uh, David Josephson, the producer of the show, as well as uh, Brendan Berger and also Jonathan Lowe, the studio coordinators. And I also want to invite you to tune in to WCCO-TV Sunday morning, 6 a.m., and 10.30 a.m., I hope I recover my voice. <laughs> um, but at 10.30 a.m., I'm looking forward to uh, visiting with Representative Erin Murphy. She is one of the prominent Republican women – or Democratic women, excuse me, uh, who is asking for uh, Senator Franken to step down. She and Rebecca Otto, who are both running for governor in a very crowded field, um, are asking for him to step down. Representative Murphy will be on. I have had Representative Otto – or State Auditor Otto on in the past – and also we will have a representative on from the Alzheimer's Association to really talk about uh, in this holiday season when we are meeting family and greeting family and, and celebrating together, it is also a time of reckoning for many families when you realize that somebody that you love and care about is not what they once were uh, in terms of their mental capacity. And the Alzheimer's Association is providing um, just a remarkable help for a lot of people. We're going to talk about that. And we're also going to talk about advances in treatment and diagnosis. All right, folks, keep it here. You're listening to News Radio 830. This is the one and only WCCO. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone.